This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons such as John and Lisa. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. listening to episode 100 of lightning strikes thrice the jrpg games club podcast that neglects to read their contracts (laughs) (laughs) yeah 100 episodes holy shit god damn yeah congrats thank you this is season nine episode three covering the timber forest owl mission in final fantasy 8 for the ps1 i am your host matt marcus my pronouns are he him and with me today is Ryan Beatty, my pronouns are they, them. We've also got a very special guest today. Mm-hmm. It's Kyle Thompson, and my pronouns are he, they. Thanks for joining us, Kyle. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Unfortunately, yeah. Sybil could not be here today because uh, her apartment needed to be fumigated because all of the human centipedes she's been growing in the basement have kind of <laughs> streets. <laughs> she's, she's had to kind of set the whole building on fire and move. So, unfortunately, <laughs> we have a couple of notes from her. However, she's not here right now to defend herself. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So someone tell me what happened on the last episode. Last episode, we were introduced to Squall, a moody launder. Oh, that's supposed to be loner. Loner. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, you want to take that again? A moody (laughs) launder. That's the infestation Uh, in Sybil's house right now. Yeah. (laughs) Last episode, we were introduced to Squall, a moody loner with a chip on his shoulder, who, along with classmates Zell and Selfie, successfully passed their seed exam and are now officially professional mercenaries. Hooray! Squall's rival, 80s yuppie villain Cypher, failed the exam by defying direct orders. Squall also met two mysterious women, one of whom he danced with, but nevertheless, he, uh... He has a GF, but no GF. Uh, Uh He's got a guardian (laughs) force, but no girlfriend. Meanwhile, Squall's instructor, Quistus, has been fired from her teaching position and is now a regular seed member, and she tries to make out, uh, uh, get some emotional support (laughs) from Squall, but is thoroughly shot down with the simple, you're a teacher. (laughs) Afterwards, they save the other mystery woman who remains unnamed from a monster, who they don't know her, but she knows them both by name, which is uh, curious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, Squall is told by Selfie that they have already been assigned their first mission and should meet up at the entrance of the garden to receive their orders. Zell zooms in on a hoverboard, a uh, nice Back to the Future reference, which is mm-hmm. immediately confiscated by the garden staff. The really boring, killjoy uh, mystery mm-hmm. instructors. <laughs> And Sid tells the party that they are going to assist a resistance group in the town of Timber called the Timber Owls. The staff member says they would normally not take a job like this with pay so little because all these motherfuckers care about is money. They are told to take the train in Balam over 
And when someone says, the forests of timber sure have changed, they are to reply with the super secret password, but Mm -hmm. the owls are still around. I I love that when you go to Zell's house later, he has another hoverboard. So he gets another one or he has a stash of them. I don't know. He probably gets he's, this has probably happened to him before. And he just totally forgot that he can't do that. It's very funny that he because he's supposed to both be like the hothead cool guy mm-hmm. and also the rules follower. So it like him having the hoverboard and then getting it confiscated was both on brand and also a little incongruous because the first time that he got yelled at by a staff member, I would assume he'd just like be too much of a pussy to do it again. Look, don't think My shit, guess is okay? that this is the first time this he just didn't get caught before. Right. <laughs> so one key thing that the game doesn't signal at all and is kind of a big deal is if you talk to Sid in this scene, he will give you an item called the magic lamp. He kind of says like, oh, I, f- I forgot to mention, by the way, I have this thing for you. Just note that this item is completely missable if you don't talk to Sid before leaving this scene. Because if you leave this scene and come back, the other NPCs, he's gone. The, the staff members are gone. So this is like a one-time thing. If you inspect it in your inventory, the description cryptically tells you that you should save your game before using it with exclamation points. <laughs> when you do select it, it triggers a boss battle with a new GF, Diablos. The tiny, tiny amount of context that this game gives you for this is so comical because this uh-huh. is such a like it's such an important guardian force. It's such a like difficult boss fight. And Sid's just like, oh yeah, sorry, you should um this might help. Here, it's a fucking magic lamp that has imprisoned a guardian force. Uh-huh. My guy. Like, you are so He's trying to be the cool dad, but he's so irresponsible. He is he's like <laughs> if Gendo Ikari actually had good intentions. Oh my, oh my god. god. Oh <laughs> that, that, that's a that's an image. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I this is extremely strange. Like it's not even characteristic of older Final Fantasy games, really. It's just a Final Fantasy VIII thing. <laughs> Yeah, truly. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, and like I mean, chances are unless you're someone who just naturally talks to every NPC when you get a chance and you don't have a guide, you would just completely miss this. And yeah, it mm-hmm. it really oh. changes the tenor of the rest of the game. Yeah, this is definitely from the era of game developers putting things in the game that strongly encourage you to buy the strategy guide and this may be one of them Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because that Mm -hmm. was a real thing in japan especially Mm -hmm. so if you do inspect the lamp then you are sucked immediately into a pocket realm fighting a literal devil Mm mm-hmm Diablos' main gimmick are the Demi and Gravija spells, which both cause damage equal to 25% of your current health. Demi is the single target spell, while Gravija hits the whole party. You cannot die to either spell because it's all based on percentages, and you know, so there's there is an asymptote going there, there's some asymptotic shit going on there, yeah. uh, some parabolic approaching of zero where you can't actually do it. But Diablos does have the occasional physical attack, and so he can finish you off. 
There is, however, one weird trick that makes it, this fight basically impossible to lose. Not completely impossible, but basically. Oh, really? And that is to inflict blind on him. If you do inflict blind, he will miss like 95% of attacks. It is not 100%. Oh, really? Because, yeah, he did do damage to me with a physical <laughs> attack while blind was on. Uh, <laughs> oh, and one of my why. guys did die. <laughs> um, so... He will miss most of his physical attacks, and also, Blind does not wear off for the entire duration of the battle, and Diablos does not have any Esuna or Remedy in his back pocket, which means that once Blind hits, for all intents and purposes, with, you know, the occasional extreme RNG fucko, can't hurt you to the point where he can kill you, so even though he's got a ton of HP, you can basically just, like, win the battle with one successful Blind cast. Mm-hmm. When you do win, he says that he only lost because he's a sleepy boy, and then he joins you and also gives you his triple triad card. Yeah, and I, like a fool, forgot to draw out blind before doing this, so Mm -hmm. I had to go back and redo the previous area and draw it, Uh, so that was a minor annoyance, but it is an annoyance. Yeah, like there are only, I think, two ways you can get blind right now. And it was that draw point in the bottom of the Dalit Tower. And I think there's a way to do it if you're refining and card modding. Uh, you can also you can also just yeah. draw it off of enemies in the uh, like previous like Jurassic Park enclosure area that you did with Twisted. Oh, so oh, in the training center. Because I know there's yeah. a lot of sleep in there. I forgot there's also creatures with mm-hmm. blind. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that that's there because I did manage to get it there. In that region. Oh, it might yeah. be in the boss fight. Not yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah, no, it's very funny how there are three status effects that carry past battle, and that is blind and silence. I want to say curse. I, th- I think there's a third one. And uh, it's weird because it's never just like explained that, by the way, this never wears off. You have to cure it. Mm-hmm. but it plays in your favor here it sucks yes. real bad when you're fighting a malboros later and you get bad breaths because <laughs> you know a lot of that shit you're just screwed <laughs> mm-hmm. unless you get like a luckiest um like remedy or asuna off and that is uh, classic final fantasy that's true all right so uh diablos's summon attack is dark messenger which is essentially a gravity spell that scales with his level. It's really not worth using unless maybe you're trying to get an enemy with high health at the card range. But you could also just cast Demi or Quistus's Micro Missiles Blue Magic instead. Uh, the real reason you want Diablos is because he has some of the most useful skills in the game. These include Ability Times 3, which allows you to equip three non-battle command abilities, Time Magic RF, Mug and the encounter half and encounter none skills. That's right. You can now turn off random encounters. Mm-hmm. S- sort of, sort of. So y- you can turn off random encounters, except for there are some areas where the encounter rate is so high it's like above one hundred percent or some shit. Because at the, in those areas, uh, having encounter none active just makes it so that you only fight enemies every like eight steps instead of every two there's like two hidden areas where encounter none is not actually none it's just fewer 
Well, I think what's happening there is that it is a forced that there are certain places where there's a tile you step on and every time you step on it it triggers an account uh an encounter no matter what. Um. so so like in the in the deep sea research center like if you if you really wanted to farm cursed spikes to get you know turn that into a black hole or whatever or, or dark matter there's one spot in there you can just step on step off step on step off so this will not turn off anything that is hard coded as a you're going to get an encounter here, but that's very okay. rare in this game besides plot scripted ones. But yeah, mm-hmm. if you're just like running around on the map or running around in a dungeon, you're not going to run into anything if you have encounter none on. Yeah. And like it, it's one of those things that like, I don't know if you we want to get like too deep into it. Like, is it really <laughs> this is where like, yeah, going to put on the Gary Butterfield uh voice right now and say oh man it's a it's really uh, an indictment of the genre that it's a good thing that you could turn off encounters <laughs> <laughs> like this it, it is a really it's a really weird thing because it's like hey listen if you don't and especially because of the way that level scaling works like mm-hmm. you don't need to fight that many enemies to get the tools that you need in but fact, like in fact it's it's suboptimal to actually get random encounters after this point, right? Like you want to mm-hmm. ideally you would want to draw out the stuff you need at the beginning of the game, then turn off random encounters and then turn them on again at the end of the game, and that will give you the optimal stat growth, from what I understand. Yeah. Which is another yeah. like weird ass Final Fantasy thing kind of similar to the way uh yeah the level progression in uh final fantasy 6 works mm, right yeah yeah because what you want if like if you really want to max your stats like you would get uh like a gf with one of the stat bonus skills on level up and you would just yeah save all your leveling to the end of the game then power level like getting bonus stats to every single like one of your major stats every level up. And so you get like an extra like 50 points or something in each, which is wild. Yeah, because at, mm-hmm. the, at this point in the game, like you pretty much can have through refinement and drawing like all of the shit you need to clear the rest of the game uh, as far as stats goes, just because of junctioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so at any rate, uh, you want to get Diablos immediately and start learning these skills. They are great and very exploitable uh, in all the ways we just explained and more. Mm -hmm. Sybil has a note here. She says, once again, imagine how different this game is if you miss this one guy. Your difficulty level slowly creeps up over time, either because you're constantly fleeing battles and losing seed rank and have less cash, (laughs) or because you're just fighting the usual amount of enemies and slowly inflating levels of everything against you, uh, which turns into kind of like the oblivion paradox mm-hmm. uh, so you have less abilities literally yes less you can't steal effectively all sorts of things locked behind a quote-unquote optional guardian force i think she's spot on like mm-hmm. there are so many important and helpful mechanics that are tied directly to diablos who you need to like do an additional talk trigger to sid and then also elect to go and examine it and start a fight and then win the fight i don't necessarily think this is an indictment of final fantasy 8 because i don't like playing this game with encounter none on it 
makes it feel empty and weird and i find myself <laughs> missing the random encounters but like it is fucking bizarre it is a bizarre choice yeah yeah i mean i think the the fact that like the more you do random encounters the worse off you are mechanically is such a weird inversion of typical like dragon quest style um jrpg grinding like you're actually screwing yourself by grinding instead of getting more powerful and Mm -hmm. just being on that escalator to uh overpowering your enemies that's so so profoundly strange yeah i mean the one thing that they do to balance that out is there's two different levels there's like a 20 to 30 and like 30 plus or like 35 plus where the enemies get stronger magic so if you are level there are leveling with you like you can kind of catch up a little bit but that requires a lot of drawing if you're not refining but the game wants you to refine right so Mm -hmm. yeah it's it is interesting like i reading like this note made me think i'm not going to do it for this show because it's a little too late (laughs) I'm, I'm, i'm way far ahead of where we are right now but i would love to try to do a run where i only pick up gfs that the bosses have or that are Mm. like directly in the plot so like no diablos no brothers Mm -hmm. no no alexander no alexander you would have but like no doom train doom train is huge uh and that that one you have to work for like i think that would be a very interesting run I, i may do that next time just to see if that's any fun but yeah the encounters thing like it felt really good back in the day to be like man it's really annoying when i step two you know two steps and i have to do this battle it's great Mm -hmm. to be able to turn that off and especially in times when there's a timer on oh yeah yeah I, i don't think it happens that much for the rest of this game like i can think of at least two spots where there's a timer after this where that matters but i think it's interesting that it helps you kind of relieve some of that tension, even though I don't, for me, the tension is still there. Even if I end up having to wait two minutes at a spot for a timer to come down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say that like, um, you do end up still doing some random encounters. If you are using this, uh, random encounters off trick just to draw certain things but it's very rare and yeah like that point about the monsters like getting better magic after a certain level Mm -hmm. i think if you're grinding correctly quote unquote they're probably almost at that level already at this point so you're really not going to get much from them yeah it's it, it it's such a weird like i tried to play the game this time according to the like optimal strategy because when i was a kid and i played this game i didn't understand the junctioning system at all and i couldn't even finish the game because i was so underpowered mm-hmm. um just because i was like a stupid kid and so i was like i'm going to do the opposite i'm going to exploit the system to the maximum and it's so weird because it kind of feels like at the start of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, when you still have the Alucard set and you're just going back and forth between screens, killing enemies to grind up at the start of the game. Like, that's what it feels like playing Final Fantasy yeah. optimally. It's like you have to do, like, your practicum 
just grinding for hours before you can actually play the game. And once you do, you're just going to like blow through it because you've yeah. already done all your prep. Yeah, there mm-hmm. just isn't a lot of like chewy middle where you do a little bit of one and a little and a little playing naturally and you have a nice, decent challenge. Like it's either all challenge if you're not using the, the skills well or the mechanics well, or it's no challenge because you put in the work. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I am trying to thread the needle this playthrough. I'm trying to like keep it at an optimal challenge level for myself. That's like my my challenge run this time is to try to get it so that this game remains fun. Um, <laughs> so we'll we'll see because it's like I'm going to use encounter half probably, but I'm not yeah. going to use encounter none, and we'll see how that changes things. Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm doing the same too. It, it, mm-hmm. I, I feel like you know to sort of take up Gary's eternal point about JRPGs. I kind of feel like the presence of Encounter Half and Encounter None sort of suggests that like the developers couldn't figure out how to actually tune the random encounters, and so they basically just gave you a debug mode to figure it out yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which, yeah. which yeah. I think yeah. is an indictment I mean, the, the, of the game in a way. <laughs> yeah, I, the, I mean the way I I choose to read it, which is probably not entirely true, is that the way the systems fit together, I think it's just like, hey, we want to make it really less tedious for you to do the low level run. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know? So, like, instead of just having to run from a battle every like ten steps or whatever, sure. especially in high encounter points, they go. If you know you're not going to want to do any battles, you can just shut it off. But you have to mm-hmm. earn that, right? Like, it takes about two hundred or so AP to get there, and yeah. that's if you don't go to Mug or if you don't go to Time RF. Like, th- that's the thing with Diablos is that Diablos has probably the highest. AP need to get all the skills mm-hmm. out. Like they're very mug is 200. That's yep. a ton yeah. at this point in the game. So like, I mean, it was, a, you... it was like a good evening of grinding on like optimal AP yeah. drop enemies to, to get, get this finished. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, you're, you're going to run through a, like a bunch of bosses that are going to give you like good double digit returns. And there's a spot here where there's another good AP grinding spot if you wanted to do it. But yeah, it's one of those things where, like it depends also how you pace it out. Like you don't have to do Diablos as soon as you get him, as soon as you get the the magic lamp. I'm sure there's some people that went played the game or and never touched it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they they have the lamp, but they don't know to do anything with it. Couldn't right. be me right. as a kid. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is just another case where like having the guide was just like I had that unlocked. I knew this was here. Mm-hmm. And I like. I wish I still had it. I know the cover came off it. It's probably in my house somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, you go to Balam, you head to the station, and uh, you will see the Queen of Cards here for the first time. And you could start her quest, or at least start interacting with her here. But ignoring that, you get on the train to go to Timber. Yep. I just want a, a little Balam check in or Balam check in because uh, there's new stuff. Uh, even if we already explored the town once mm, on our way okay. back from Ifrit, uh, the first is there is a sign on the gas station sign that says Zell Dinked did 100 pull ups here, and if, and it's just like <laughs> such a it's such a sign of like oh my god. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's such a sign of like how podunk and tiny the Balam town is. And it's so funny that it's like this little like backwater ass continent that only has this one tiny ass like coastal town also has a garden on it when mm-hmm. when the town like commemorates when Zell fucking does pull ups. I mean, it's like I've a- never seen that. And I played this game a lot. That's incredible. <laughs> It's like a classic university town in the in a, like a way that they don't have in Japan, like in the UK oh, totally. or in the US, like having town and gown, like gown being like super posh and then town just being a bunch of hicks, you know, it's 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 a hundred percent that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Zell Zell is totally the kind of like the townie who got into Balam for mm. free because his dad is a janitor there. Like mm-hmm. he's he's got that <laughs> vibes. He's got like the mm-hmm. local kid on on local kid scholarship vibes. Yeah. And, and when you talk to like some of the people in town too, like they know Zell and his reputation as being like kind of a, a rowdy kid. And like I remember there's a there's a mom that like chastises her son, be like, don't be like Zell. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's very funny. And then there's uh, another guy who I like didn't enter his house the first time, who's like this old fisherman who has a cat. And it's just he's like, yep, yeah, I can't really uh, do anything except fish anymore because my joints hurt too much. And I just love to catch fish for my cat. And the cat's like, meow. It's that's mm-hmm. also extremely cute. So <laughs> so two good little Balam, two little towny check ins that I enjoyed there. Yeah, the the thing that's kind of tough about town areas, and this was this is extremely true of Dalit too, is that it's kind of hard to tell which places you could actually enter, and you can make the assumption that oh, that's not a doorway, <laughs> that's just mm-hmm. something in the background. Yeah, and so like Zell's house, which you do have to go to, I think for plot reasons anyway, but like I could imagine a lot of people did not know you could go into those like little subterranean, you know, yeah, dwellings. Mm. Final Fantasy VII, there was a button that you could hold, and mm. it would show you all the potential exits. I don't know if that exists in eight, but it no, might. I don't think so. I don't think I so. Check. I don't. Yeah, remember it's that. like the it's like pressing the Alt button in a Infinity Engine game, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, mm. there there was like one of the triggers or like the select button or something did that in OG FF Seven, but yeah, I have not done it in eight. Mm-hmm. I did also want to mention that you can visit the Queen of Cards after the free fight, and it is the best yep. thing to do uh, before you go to the garden because uh, of just card stuff. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, you could also I, get her here. I fucking I hate the Queen of Cards side quest so much. It seems oh, like something terrible. that like is it's guide required. You cannot yeah. complete it by yourself. And it can also, if you do it wrong, it can make triple triad less fun for the mm-hmm. rest of the game because of the way that the rules spread. Uh, huh? <laughs> it's horrible. I hate the, it. Yeah. I, the thing that I, that tickles me though, right. Is that you coming out hard against a side quest. That's about a tortured artist and how it <laughs> relates to his family and how that's, that that's harming his connection to them. Like that's very <gasps> funny to me. <laughs> okay. Yes. The, the themes behind the queen of cards quest are very <laughs> on brand for Ryan Beatty. You caught me, but <laughs> the actual play of it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And the thing is in order to get her to move, you have to lose a rare card to her and then mm-hmm. win it back from her son. It's dumb. Anyway. So you're on the train. 
It turns out Selfie loves trades and <laughs> she will sing a song to herself about it every time you're on a trade and it's very cute. Then show on the Yeah. So Zell goes into the seed cabin. They have their own like designated cabin on this train. And he is just mega psyched about A, how bouncy the couch is, and also B, that they have magazines. And uh, he actually gives Squall a copy of Pet Pal Monthly, Volume 1, which is useful for another character's limit break that we will meet soon. This is just the most, like, teenager shit. Like, bouncing yeah. on the couch oh, it's in, extremely in the teenager. fancy room. This is so real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Very believable teenagers. Extremely believable teenagers. Uh, also, like, there are a couple cute little touches. The first is that we find out that, like, basically everyone who's still in timber is in a different resistance faction and so it's just like there's there's this occupied city where literally everyone is in uh an anarchist gang on the side which is cute (laughs) and then the other little character moment that i think is really cute is when the kind of lore stuff behind timber and galbadia is happening squall is extremely sarcastic about it yeah and and zell takes his sarcasm as normal squall's like thank you mr know-it-all and zell's like ah no worries dude thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for the thanks i it's fucking love it <laughs> it's too pure talk, talk about being from like a, like a southern product town like that's extremely like southern people don't understand sarcasm thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah no i yeah you can ask zell for more details on it or not. And basically the gist is Galbadia invaded Timber 18 years ago during the Sorceress War and just never left. And yeah. yes, there's a lot of resistance fighters there. Uh, but yeah, it's again, a lot of good character being put into the dialogue and even like some of the animations too, like Zell's like yeah. little tip back being like, oh, no problem, dude, is just really funny. <laughs> and it, it, these little these little touches and this, I guess this is spoilers for like a future episodes, but not plot wise, just like, kind of overall thrust wise these little tiny bits of characterization in the dialogue and in the animation are incredibly important because basically all of the character development besides squall and renoa stops after a certain point in the story it's like very clear that squall and renoa were the ones who got by far the most time to develop their characters Mm -hmm. and so these tiny little moments in the first disc really carry forward and help the other characters feel less one-dimensional yeah. once they turn one-dimensional is this yeah. the is this the classic yeah. problem of they after a certain point they couldn't know who would be in your party in any given situation and therefore those characters stop getting any character development which is like yeah i think the most egregious case of that i can think of is like final fantasy tactics where it's like after a character right joins your party it is no longer a guest they will have like no character development at all well yeah, i i don't i don't know like this does make me think of chrono cross actually the whole like right they built a whole dialogue system so that the characters could be interchangeable and yet still be identifiably the characters in yes. terms of their voice mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. fascinating and i i think some of that happens here like there's definitely parts here where scenes will change slightly depending on who you pick as your like third seat yeah yeah but i i I don't know i think like when when it comes down to the moments i'm I'm remembering of when characters get to do stuff they're able to single them out and they will force your party in a certain way Mm -hmm. right yeah but like so 
there is a lot of post-mortem and behind-the-scenes material available to read uh, if you know where to look on Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, the website Shmuplations mm. has some like translated Ultimania interviews. and They're, also they're tra- awesome. That, that site is so good. Yeah, and they also have some translated interviews just from like, you know, some of the bigwigs at Square reflecting on their work a few years later and shit. And um, my guess, my theory is that they were always intending Squall and Renoa to like be the main two, and so they just didn't spend enough time. But also, remember, the Laguna, Kiros, and Ward sections were originally going to be fully half of the game. Mm. And a lot of the Laguna sections were cut pretty early on, I think, but it was still they were planning for. And so I think that it was going to be more about like those characters. And so they just wrote less for the non-Squall and Renoa Seed members from the like present side of of the game. The the theoretical game in the design document where the Laguna stuff was half the game is so fucking potentially wild to me. Wow. I mean, the, 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 you, you say that like Laguna, the Laguna stuff was cut fairly early on, but the development time for this game was so short that like, that's mm-hmm. actually less significant than it would be on a lot of game projects. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. fairly early on still means like it just because of the crunch fairly early on months wise is still they were probably already doing work on it and had to like really scrap and 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 uh, redirect pretty quickly. Yeah. So then uh, Selfie enters the room and she's feeling a little woozy and crashes on the couch and just falls asleep. She just passes just straight up passes out. Then. A high-pitched whine fades in, and Zell and Squall both collapse as well. And uh, then, all of a sudden, we are following different characters. Yeah, and the, the whine is like the the trademark Squaresoft, uh, my brain is freaking out whine. I think it's the <laughs> same one as they used in FF7. Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> it's very effective. It is, yeah, it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, extremely. So uh, the scene shifts to a forest battlefield with a party of three Galbadian soldiers, the Himbo, Laguna, the suave and quote-unquote exotic Kiros, and the brick shit house Ward. Laguna is leading them, but has uh, no sense of direction. This is really funny and interesting because like they're going clearly for Vietnam war imagery because we're yeah. in a jungle and we're following soldiers, but there's... Like a lot of slapstick comedy front loaded, and mm-hmm. so instead of the horrors of war, it's like the Three Stooges go to Nam. Yeah, <laughs> it, does it doesn't even have way. like a Tropic Thunder feeling to it. It's very weird. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you, it's, you yeah. don't fight a single Timber soldier this entire time. Yeah, it's just monsters because they're lost, yeah. right? Yeah, because like, they're like, running away. Actually, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like Vietnam, but if Vietnam was like next door to washington dc you know yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so when we get into battles here we actually hear a second battle theme we never really talked about how sick the first battle theme was but the second battle theme is even sicker this game has two regular battle themes that just fuck yeah yeah this one's called the man with the machine gun 
Yeah, you, got, you've uh, heard it. You, if you're into Final Fantasy, you've heard this. It's it's a it's a very '90s rave song, is what it is. Yeah. Like it, it yes. was very funny years later when I became more versed in electronic music and like the production of it to be like, oh, they're just using a 909 drum here. Like there's the bass yep. drum, there's the clap, like it's and the hi-hat, it's all there. Mm-hmm. If it were on FM synthesizers instead of like Roland synthesizers, then it would sound like a Streets of Rage 2 song, almost. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the thing is that uh, compared to a, a like a trance song, it's a little more up-tempo than was typical for the era. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really what gives it its distinctive sound. Because if you did slow it yeah. down a bit and extend those synth leads a little bit, it would sound like a rave song for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't like go for prog is the thing. It's synths yeah. without mm-hmm. prog, which is mm-hmm. usually what you saw with Uematsu's like more heavier stuff or like, yeah. Or like heavier rock, like in Final Fantasy VII, it's it's you know there's the fake guitar, but like it's trying to go for a riffy thing. It's definitely more Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And w- don't <laughs> worry if you like that shit, you will get it on the soundtrack. Just wait oh, till yeah. the end of this season. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's just interesting how it's like it's kind of in between a prog section and a trance song or a, yeah. a rave yeah. song, and it and and it. And it levels out at like between those two, it's like rock and synth pop, uh, yeah. which is, yeah, it just, yeah, it's, it sounds so different than any other Final Fantasy battle music that we've heard before. And yeah. really it like, you know, this whole, it's like, no, we really do want to incorporate like the modern day. I think the Yoshinori Katase quote was uh, with Final Fantasy VIII, we wanted to blend reality with unreality instead of blending unreality with reality. Kind of like it was like, Okay, Final Fantasy VII was darkness, but, you know, people found light in it. And with Final Fantasy VIII, they wanted to peddle that, like, the game, like, the world was light, but there was darkness inside of it. It's like mm-hmm. an inverted Final Fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I would, if you were just to give me just info on the world and then played this song, I would have told you that this is an Esthar song. This feels way more Esthar than Galbadia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, fucking techno witches. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we do have a uh, uh, Sybil uh, sicko trivia bit here (laughs) from her. She tells us that uh, this song is just reused as a techno remix as one of the nastier bosses in Chocobo's Dungeon. Do not steal from the shopkeeper in that game unless you want this song to begin playing as a double speed moogle in a mask gets all up in your shit uh dungeon hero x is not to be trifled with until late game when you can cheese this dude and also earn the thief crystal so uh that that's the other appearance i don't know if this song is in theatrhythm but it fucking should be if it's not oh it has to be this this is probably i mean i would say outside of one winged angel this is probably one of the biggest songs in final fantasy right I mean, when you think of like fans, fan reaction, obviously Eyes on Me was huge. I'm not going to poo poo that. But like, I don't think anything in Final Fantasy X like hits like this level of like fan knowledge. Sure. Right? Or like Final Fantasy Sure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, Two Xanarkand is still being used in like, like okay, meme right. videos and shit. Like, just the opening of that track, that like piano opening uh, as, mm-hmm. as a joke. 
uh, I see it like on TikTok and stuff sometimes. Oh, <laughs> well, sorry, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not dialed in. I guess <laughs> I'm not dialed in till JRPG shit posting. Yeah, <laughs> Zoomer JRPG shit posting. Oh, good. Lord. There you go. Yeah, there. So Laguna, Kiros, and Ward in battles, they do all have their own unique limit breaks, but they're not super worth noting. One of their regular attacks is extremely funny, though. Uh, Ward has this, like, giant javelin that's, like, the size of half a telephone pole, basically. Mm -hmm. And he throws it into the enemy, but then he has to run up to the enemy and pull it out of the ground <laughs> and out of the enemy's flesh. Well, it's it's even funnier with the limit break because I think it's called Heavy Anchor. He tosses it up in the air, then jumps after it and rides it down <laughs> to for mm -hmm. a big explosion. It's real silly. <laughs> It, it, it reminds me of uh, playing Ramlethal in uh, Guilty Gear. Mm, uh, if you, if you send, your, send your swords across the screen and they're on the other side of the stage and you're just desperately trying to get over your opponent to pick them up again so you can keep fighting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what is notable is that the junctions are, they've been pre-swapped. And so like the Guardian Forces and the magic that we had on squall go to laguna from selfie go to kiros and from ward go to zell and or, sorry from zell go to ward and so like we don't have to do any futzing but also it's like oh wow okay it's not just squall that's like weirdly like you know mechanically connected to this dream the couple of people mm -hmm. are also there which we find yeah. out later when selfie calls laguna cute just like out of you know and, and squall's like wait what where who what uh -huh. um uh -huh. So we do see several text boxes of confusion as the scenes play out, which uh, they're, again, really well-timed for a non-voiced mm. game. It, there's, like, this sense of timing in the text boxes that is super great. Mm -hmm. At one point, Kiro says, like, hey, shouldn't we be, like, back on the front lines fighting the Timber Army? And Laguna's, <laughs> Laguna says, nah, this sucks. Let's hit the <laughs> bricks. <laughs> and uh, they hop back into it. They, they hop into a truck and go AWOL. This also seems to not be the first time this has happened. No, definitely. Not. I, like, how do these guys not get court-martialed? Like, seriously, yeah. how lax is Galvania? <laughs> you, you have other soldiers being like, oh, man, the president got mad at me once. I'm going to be docked a month's pay. And on the flip side of this, this guy's not in jail. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, maybe a lot has happened in the last 18 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the funny thing, okay, so like, those text boxes, so there's the solid gray ones, which are speech, and then there's like the transparent black ones, which are thought. And there's a separation here between the th ones where the thought text is gray and the thought text is white. And that becomes definitely more notable in the upcoming scenes. Absolutely.
right, so uh, the next part is we get to Adeling City. So the team arrives and proceeds to leave their truck in the middle of the road. Uh, again, why are they not court-martialed? Uh, just it immediately causes traffic. a backup, too. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like a traffic jam. Like, this is a whole problem. They're like, whatever. They head to the Galbadia Hotel. Uh, Laguna is full-on simping for the beautiful piano player Julia, uh, which mm-hmm. is 100% accurate. That is exactly what's happening. And they got mm-hmm. there just in time for her set. Apparently, they go here a lot because everyone working there recognizes these three. Mm-hmm. And and everyone knows how much of a simp Laguna is. Like, all, like yeah. the nameless-ass soldiers also give him a hard time for it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very cute. Yeah. It's not just his crew. It's, like, everyone in the joint. And then Kiros and Ward egg on Laguna to go wave to Julia. He gets up walks over to the stage, gets a leg cramp, mm-hmm. nearly gives up, but then walks back to give a nod before heading back to his seat. While this is going on, Laguna is having an internal freakout, while another voice, which is clearly Squalls, just shit-talks him the whole time. <laughs> he just straight up calls him pathetic. It's very funny. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Like it's yeah, no, it's it's it's, 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 it's a sorry display. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's more or less what Kira says, like verbatim. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because back at their table, Kira's Ward just are ribbing the shit out of him. Like Kira's is just like on the manliness scale, that was a negative three. <laughs> <laughs> It's so fucking funny that Squall is being like, what a loser, when he was so awkward around Renoa and like, yeah. so, you know, fucking pot and kettle, my guy. I know, I know. But it's it's funny because like, this guy is trying to make a connection and that's what Squall right. doesn't understand is that he doesn't know right. he's trying to, or he cares to make a connection. It's just kind of mm-hmm. happening to him or happening at him. Yeah, I think he's probably, like, saying, like, pathetic, because it's like, oh, like, this guy has feelings and is following them, and, mm-hmm. and, and like, I don't have feelings, I don't need anybody, because mm-hmm. I'm such an edgelord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, the two pals just decide to bail as they notice that Julia has walked over to talk to Laguna, <laughs> and they chat for a little bit. But then she invites him up to her room so that they can talk with more privacy because everyone is just like, oh, shit, it's going down. What's happening here? And uh, Laguna is a stammering wreck, but he agrees. And uh, this is one of those places where if you're doing the speed up in some of the story sections, this is very funny because the text boxes will move really quickly. But because this scene is like programmed Like, Julia won't come over until the music stops playing because, of course, because she's playing the music. Uh, So, like, if you're speeding through this, like, I, because I did this part twice. So, on the second time I had the speed up on, you just have to sit there with no dialogue for like two minutes (laughs) until Julia walks over. It's very funny. Incredible. (laughs) So, you take Laguna, you can go up, talk to the front desk, and you get invited up into the room where. Laguna just can't seem to get comfortable and Julia teases him a bit. And this, this feels like a really common trope, right? Like this feels like Quistus and Squall all over again to some degree. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, what's weird here is that uh, he, yeah, this 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 game is all about romantic awkwardness and like really wants to sell it as one of the themes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But fucking <laughs> so here i really expected this to be a laguna thinks that this is romantic but actually julia like is gonna try to recruit him into the resistance and then it (laughs) turns out that it's it's romantic on her end too and so it's like this one is is awkward but it is also requited and so it's like oh men and women can't understand when there's romance but instead of like it just like squall being a dick it's like no they're they're both trying to connect and they're both just extremely awkward about it in their own ways so I, I thought that like Julia was like very confident and was like being very patient with him. And he was just, yeah, he just can't get himself together because he doesn't know what he's just not used to this. He doesn't. Have yeah. Confidence. He's a fucking mess. Yeah. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a, a, just extreme himbo vibes here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she, uh, she tells him that uh, she always noticed that he was at her shows in the audience and that she's seen so many different emotions in his eyes, although they look a little scared now. Yep. Yep. F- okay. So uh, I'm going to spoiler zone this because I just need to say it right now. Okay. okay. It's extremely awkward. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, you have it in the notes. Let's, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like right there. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because like knowing where this any okay. yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> uh what happens next can differ if you've picked up the timber maniacs number one from the balam hotel room laguna will have some wine and just pass out if you didn't he will talk non-stop about himself saying he doesn't really like the army but he loves to travel and wants to be a journalist in the future god this th- also the fucking villain shit to be like oh i know i'll i'll like you know join the army when it's a really oppressive war of occupation that the army mm-hmm. is doing like 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 albanians not good only nope. the imperialist occupying force and laguna is like i'll just be a soldier for a while this is so, what happens when you get a humanities degree. You just have nowhere to yeah. go in your career, and you have to just join the <laughs> army. Oh my god, Laguna is the Lockheed Martin Smallbean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say like like his his like bl- blathering constantly about himself nervously is just like the most ADHD shit. Like he, oh, he just he just totally reads that way. Like. Uh, I'm just like, I've got so many uh, endorphins running right now, and I'm uh, self-absorbed, so I can only talk about myself. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to keep talking. Ah! Yep, yep. No, you're absolutely right. It it reads like that to me, too. And so, Squall is here, running a commentary in the background, and this could have gotten weird. Uh, And (laughs) it's very funny. One of Sybil's notes is just that by putting this in the notes, we uh, Matt connected like like five dots about the plot there for her. I'm going to say it. It might get cut. It would be funny if I say, I'm going to say it, it might get cut. And then that part stays in and the thing that <laughs> we're spoiling course, gets cut. Uh-huh. Squall's watching his own parents flirt. Like, <laughs> and... Print, just, singular parent yes okay yeah. yes yeah. parent yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Flir- yeah flirting with flirting with his girlfriend's mother <laughs> right exactly right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like squall and Ren- this is all mm, yeah it 
creates weird Star Wars-y half-sibling vibes in in some ways. Um, it's the, the 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 thing that's funny about this, to at least funniest. Yeah, like imagine, yeah, imagine the virgin, virgin, version of this where uh, Laguna seals the deal and just the psychosexual horror of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially when he finds out later, oh, by the way, that's your dad. And then you could yeah. have added the element of, by the way, Renault is your half sister. Yeah. What the and fuck? It's also very funny because, like, in the good, like the quote unquote good scenario, like where Laguna and, uh, julia actually end up together you know we don't really get squall right there is no right. there is no squall there is yeah. no renoa <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah no, i i i will have a lot to say at the end of the season about the whole thing about like a missed love passing down a generation and being fulfilled later and how mm-hmm. weird and straight like that's just a weird thing to me i don't i don't yeah. find it very cool <laughs> yeah no it's it is a very, very weird. strange thing theme of yeah it's like it you know like the whole like hey i had to like quit my musician trajectory to raise my kids so maybe my kid can be a famous musician in my place like that already is like projecting unhealthy shit onto your kids and to do it about like getting your dick wet woof (laughs) (laughs) or or just like man i it's just really like damn i couldn't I couldn't get together with my high school sweetheart, but I hope our kids get together because that's close enough. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. Anyway. um, (laughs) Either way, Laguna will ask Julia what her... Oh, this is the the other thing that I was going to say. It is very funny that Cypher's romantic dream is like a metaphorical one, and then Squall literally has a romantic dream. (laughs) 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 This continues the entire, like, foilism, if you could call it that, between Cypher and Squall. Like, it's just another point of it. Yeah. Yeah. So... Either way, Laguna will ask Julia what her dream is, and she says that she wants to sing, but she's never written lyrics to a song before, and that's why she only plays piano. Um, She doesn't feel like she would be a very good lyricist, but having met Laguna, she's got some inspiration because of his eyes and his emotions. (laughs) Yo, homeboy, you got great eyeballs. Yeah, I'm in love with you because your eyeballs are my muse. (laughs) Fucking weird. (laughs) And, uh, oh, also, uh, like little strains of eyes on me begin to play which i think it's neat that eyes on me is diegetic in the game written by somebody yeah yeah yeah. it and the thing is it is a song that existed before the lyrics were written right yes she just repurposed a composition of hers into a full song so yeah you've heard that's the song she's playing she it's just not called that yet or it didn't have the lyrics right so like after the like after the pass out and then also the the like heart to hearts it seems like it's going to go somewhere, but of course it has to be thwarted. Right then, Kiros knocks on the door saying that they've got new orders, which somehow is not an immediate court-martial, and they need to leave immediately. Julia asks if they can meet again. Laguna agrees, and the scene fades to black. So, Wall, Zell, and Selfie wake up at the same time. They all go, well, that was weird, but thankfully everyone is okay. Zell even suggests they may have gotten attacked because people don't like seed. Zell says he had the weirdest dream, while Squall thinks to himself that, 
I dreamt I was a moron. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Selfie adds, Sir Laguna was so cool. It's like, I, I, I don't know how you got that impression, but okay. Look, and look, three Selfie, realized, Selfie has weird taste in men, as we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Very questionable. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the three realize they all had the same dream. Uh, but the train then arrives at Timber, and they agree there's no time to ponder this now. They have a mission. It's, it's which so is just funny. so strange. Yeah, it's so funny how we're like, no time to think about that. Like, like they literally say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this uh, thing that would just, like, shatter your entire perception of the world. And then, well, anyway, back to work. Yeah, anyway. Outside the train, a man wearing a bandana says the code and you get to pick the right response. Moogles is one of the options, as opposed to owls. And if you say the wrong thing, you'll be prompted again, so it's not a fail state, but you probably lose some seed points. Mm -hmm. Before you talk to the guy, you can, like, just get little blurbs about different things in this first screen, in this, like, train platform screen of the town. You can't go into the shop yet, um, the pet store, rather, um, because it's locked. But in the newsstand, they sell a map that is intentionally completely unreadable. It's like, oh, it, it's like it presents itself in a in a dialogue box instead of as an image. And so it's like <laughs> all of the connections, it the, the the formatting is off, the like page layout is weird and wraps around weird. And then it says like, oh yeah, I drew this one myself. It's it's for sale, but like, you know, really I just made it for me. And it's that's very funny. And you mm. also find out that the newsstand is out of porn mags or which might you know they might be like maxim or stuff or it could be a playboy i'm not sure but whatever they're out of porn mags because a guy that we're about to meet later always buys them all which is very funny that one of these npcs in this episode is a porno guy much like <laughs> Fox Mulder is a porno guy in the X-Files. <laughs> no, this gets funnier because this ties into, like, there's a, I wouldn't call it like a subquest, but there's a thing you can do to get a card that involves this. So it's funny that they're seated. Mm. I didn't realize it seated it there. It's There's another place where we'll run into this plot point or characterization. Yeah, because uh, yeah, like, again, it, it's hard to figure out what in the map is inter or like what on the screen is interactable. And so like, because there's nobody in front of the newsstand, I just mm. went and hit X on the graphic of the newsstand and I got some dialogue. Yeah. It's funny. You can go through this mission without really running through timber at all. And mm -hmm. it's kind of a bummer because there's some funny stuff. Like if you go to the hotel, it's entirely train themed, <laughs> including yes including having a closing like train gate that blocks you from going into the room unless you've paid. And there's a bunch of like, really good town NPCs that only have like two lines that they say to you, but those two lines are like really goofy and rich. Mm -hmm. This, this game is really good at like extremely brief snippets of characterization. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause like, at the Timber Hotel, if you talk to the teller there, you can't check. At the time, you can do this, I think, is later when you're trying to hide from the soldiers. But the woman there would be like, oh, hey, Renoa, it's good to see you. By the way, you can't stay here because there's a bunch of uh, soldiers here. So that'd be a bad idea to put you in a room near them. But uh, 
keep doing what you're doing, you know, stay safe. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, like she, she calls out this person by name. Like this character has a name. It's very funny. Yeah. So anyway, you say that the forest, the, the owls are still around and the guy leads you over to another platform where you get onto another train. But this one is like conspicuously painted with a cartoon skull and crossbones on the side. <laughs> it like it's very funny. Inside, the man introduces himself as Watts, and we meet another man whose name is Zone, who tries to shake Squall's hand but is rebuffed. <laughs> and then it's very funny that like he goes to selfie, shakes her hand. And then Zell does his like, hey, put it there, man. And like gets ignored again. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just nobody wants to acknowledge Zell. Like, this is the second time this has happened to him. And uh, they say there is a third important member of the group who they call the princess. And she is currently taking a nap. And Zone tells Squall to go fetch her. And he immediately starts like getting up in his face being like, did you hire us to run errands? And Zone immediately panics and gets a stomach cramp or quote unquote, gets a stomach cramp. And Squall's like, fine, but only this one time. And you get, get I mean, this is, this is the energy that I want the warrior of light to bring <laughs> to final fantasy 14. Oh yeah. Like th- this is, this is the comeback that I want to see my character make. When somebody's like, hey, could you go, like, you know, get me uh, a drink from down at the bar and then bring it across the continent to me? (laughs) I just, I love Zone. Um, A horny guy with IBS representation in 1999. (laughs) Like, that's so progressive. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the game doesn't really think very highly of him. <laughs> no. Well, you know, it's fu- it's yeah, it is funny. They they try to engender some sympathy for them later, but then they're still the lazy ones. That the two of them, Zone and Watts, are still the lazy ones who run away from situations. But like, anyway, they're, they're comic relief is what they are. It's okay. Kojima redeemed this character type in. <laughs> uh, to the patriots obviously (laughs) so you know Uh representation has been taken care of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's you know they're they're comic relief but comic relief with an insanely tragic backstory also Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so in the back of the train car is a very plush bedroom in which we can find the girl from the graduation ball the manic pixie dream girl Mm-hmm. She is excited mm. to see Squall again and to have Seed's help, but then she asks, hey, is, is Cypher with you guys? Uh, which implies maybe a uh, love triangle angle. Mm-hmm. Squall is a little bit taken aback, but tells her that he isn't a Seed and didn't fucking graduate and so isn't with them. The girl's a little disappointed by this, but is still ready to wreak havoc with their new muscle. She introduces herself as Renoa. Although you can name her something else if you want, because again, when you can just like name them whatever when they no one is voice acting the name. We mm-hmm. also meet her dog, Angelo, who is used for her limit break. She's just like got a dog friend. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Angelo has several moves that he can use and learn others that you find in the pet magazines. You have to manually pick which move to learn next. They're learned by just like walking with the move on and Renoa in the party. Mm-hmm. 
His initial moves are Search, which gets you a random item, Rush, which is a single enemy physical attack, and Cannon, which is a multi-enemy attack where Renoa shoots the dog <laughs> from her wrist launcher and the dog ricochets around the enemies. It's so goofy, but it's, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Angelo can also, leave, also randomly show up for a free Rush attack at the beginning of battles sometimes. It's like Interceptor and Shadow from FF6, right? Yeah, yeah, it's similar vibes. Uh, it's also very cute that Angelo gets a treat every time he does one of these. <laughs> I know! Th it's great. This is... Someone on the asset or graphic staff was really in love with the cat and dog models that they made because there are so many cats and dogs in this game. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> we have another Sybil note, which is, since Renoa's name is never spoken aloud... Sybil is 100% convinced that it's Renoa, like Quinoa, and she will be sticking by this all season. Uh, and she's not doing a bit because, remember, Final Fantasy X, that person's name was Titus, not Titus. So uh, get ready for that, listeners. Yeah, I, I just always, when I saw that name, I'm like, oh, it's like Renoa as in like Winona Ryder. And that's mm -hmm. why, that's how it's stuck in my head, because she kind of looks like that, too. Mm -hmm. They kind of have a similar vibe. Yeah, it might have been part of the face cast kind of for the game. Yeah, yeah. So we move on then. Squall and Renoa return, and they lay out the plan. They've got a tip that President Dealing, the head of state for Galbadia, is going to be traveling on a train to Timber. Zone says that our plan is to, and Selfie jumps in with, blow it up with a rocket launcher uh which uh -huh. makes the owls panic <laughs> selfie also manic pixie dream girl uh <laughs> but of a different sort what they plan to do is kidnap the president and ask him very nicely to give timber back its independence uh you know the <laughs> uh -huh. the owls uh very much uh the democrats of this resistance movement here <laughs> <laughs> So to do You're that, they are going to do a switcheroo with a dummy car with a fake president in it. They have a miniature train set up to show how this will go. And this is very cute. This is very, like, goofy kids LARPing as resistance members is the whole vibe of, these, of, of this team. Just playing Warhammer. Just planning their moves. Y yeah, totally. Yeah. So to do this, they will need to hop onto the roof of the president's train and decouple a couple of the train cars. Uh, sorry, a few of the train cars. It is a mini game where you're given a four-digit code and you need to input the codes correctly using the face buttons. They only have five minutes to execute the plan. So th there's a funny little bit here where Zell asks, like, why, why does the president's train look so shitty? And the reason why is because Renoa made that one herself instead mm -hmm. of bought it from the craft store. <laughs> and just to kind of like cover herself, she's like, I, I, I made it shitty on purpose because it represents how much I, I hate President Delling. And Selfie just chimes in with like, wow, you must really hate him. It's so good. <laughs> and she's like, just shut up. Just can we stop talking about this? Uh, but I, I. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Selfie's characterization is so funny. It's like she loves trains. She's clumsy and bubbly. She's the at my old school girl from the magic school bus. And then she also loves blowing shit up and talking mad shit. 
Mm. If you use a scan on her model, like her description, like does say that she has kind of a sick sense of humor. And Mm -hmm. this is probably like the first time it's come up, but we will see it again. (laughs) Uh, But when you're ready, you talk to Watts and start the mission. One other detail that's here is like there's a bulletin board in the back of the room with the train model, and uh, it has a clipping from Anarchist Monthly second issue. <laughs> so it's actually uh, all five Anarchist Monthly issues are on the bulletin board. Oh, if you okay. keep clicking it, it will give you more and more and more. And oh, okay. Once again, it is an example of some really rich world building going on in places where you're not even sure if what you're clicking on is interactable or not. Yeah. And so, because this, it lays out number one, that president Delling became the president after the second sorceress war and used Galbadia's invasion of timber to basically gain support for his presidency. And so Mm -hmm. it was like a political war. Yeah. Also it, tells us that uh, D District Prison, which will become important later, was built just as a political prison to Mm -hmm. uh, throw dissenters in. And it also says that Esthar and Galbadia are the only two countries that possess the world's only long-range missiles, which are capable of long-range pinpoint targeting, which speaks to, like, parts of this society are very modern and parts of it are very backward and it's a very haves versus have nots as far as like how much technology and knowledge you actually have and like i said in a previous episode it also seems like the sorceress wars really fucked up like the news and the media and so people know less about what's going on now than they used to yeah Mm. and also this is do you have what watson zones backstory is in the notes no i don't i don't know if i ever found that in the game Okay, yeah. So I think this is also this also may have been an anarchist monthly, but Watson Zones' respective dads were the guys who founded the Forest Owls. Mm. And 18 years ago, they sacrificed themselves to protect everybody in the city during the invasion. And they were shot publicly uh, at like in this whole crowd as a warning. And President Delling, uh, so everyone was like horrified at this public shooting, and everyone like was looking away from the violence except for the two boys who were just staring at their dads who just got shot. And President Delling was so angry about this that he personally, from up on his presidential balcony, took his own pistol and shot the father's already dead bodies to try to horrify these two kids who were kids. And all that did was make Watson's own lifelong resistance fighters who were determined to continue the forest owls and follow in their dad's footsteps. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty intense. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Also, that does not come through at all in these two characters. They no. do not seem like like horribly scarred children. <laughs> they just seem like no. like 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 they seem like goofy teenagers who think they're going to like join Greenpeace and save the world. Like that's the vibe. Yeah, and aren't they like uh they're like the version of Biggs and Wedge for this game, right? Well, so because Biggs and Wedge are already Galbadian soldiers, so these are oh, like right. the resistance Sorry. Yeah, Biggs that's, and Wedge. That's kind right. Of. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
wild though wow yeah absolutely wild and it's it like we'll get into this during the tv station part but this game seems to both have a grasp on the unequal power imbalance by like these plucky anarchists who don't stand a chance against the empire and the empire but also kind of doesn't because it tries to play it for pathos sometimes and comedy other times and it doesn't really know where it falls yep no 100 percent yeah uh i don't i don't think that the the galbadian imperialism is ever really treated that seriously in this game like it's just no it's the backdrop for other like teen drama and romance and magic Mm -hmm. stuff that happen, and like you don't end up coming back to what like there isn't a reckoning that happens after this because the game's over (laughs) like that's the problem is that like right what i Mm -hmm. would love to see is like the aftermath of all this how does this shake out because fuck yeah yeah. a final fantasy 8 2 or final fantasy 8 the after years probably wouldn't be done very well but there is so much like rich shit that could be mined for something really interesting because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like the world that they've built is an interesting one they just don't ever focus on it it's always no. in the margins yeah yeah yep. after all that if if you want you can play watts in triple triad and get the angelo card if you want it's not very good but you can do it <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you start the mission so You start on the Owl's train and easily hop between parallel tracks onto the President's train. Each train car has a G-Soldier and a G-Commander who hold up different sensors. The Soldier has a sound sensor and the Commander has a heat sensor. And you can tell that they are checking when they open the window's blinds. And the sensors have like just a range of one window width. And so... Basically, you have to keep moving over the heat sensor so that it doesn't detect a warm body for too long, and you have to stop for the sound sensor so that it doesn't hear the footsteps. You get a freebie at the beginning where both dude sensors are not working, giving you an easy pass across the first train. And then there are two decoupling sequences that play out the same, but just with added difficulty the second time. So you have to like rappel down the side of the train to the control box and input a handful of codes via like basically a face button version of Simon with uh, Renoa calling them out to you down from, uh, from above, while also avoiding being detected by the G soldiers that patrol back and forth. The first car requires three soldiers. The second car requires five. And also the... Second car, you don't have Zell and Selfie calling out when they're coming for you. And so you have to like input a code, input another code, check, and then like go like head back up the ladder, chill for mm-hmm. a while, and then head back down. And it's um it's like th- like three different mini games in rapid succession that all kind of work, except if you fail like the, the the magic gets taken out of it but we can go yeah we can touch on that in a second <laughs> by the way you said the first yeah. car requires three soldiers which is funny but oh sorry yeah three codes <laughs> three codes yeah yeah i mean i think this um this mini game was pretty easy after say doing the motorcycle mini game in final fantasy 7 remake mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. as far as Final Fantasy minigames go, this was not a hard one, but uh, 
yeah, it's one of those things where, like, you know, similar to a stealth game, it should have a failsafe that is still fun, but doesn't. Anyway, uh, we get these interstitial scenes while you're doing this, who keeps annoying the president and feeling like he's going to get docked paid and won't be able to propose to his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So rip to him. But mm-hmm. like this is very funny because it's the soldier's job to do this. Like this mm-hmm. is his specific duty, and mm-hmm. he can't stop doing it because he would be uh, derelicting his duty. But the president absolutely hates him doing it. So it's very much that like classic military thing of being too contradictory bureaucratic commands. Very annoying for him but uh, very funny for us. Mm -hmm. And after the swap, a commander comes in and feels like something is wrong, noting that the decor looks shabbier than he remembered, uh, (laughs) because it's the swap train. If you succeed cleanly, you will go up one seed rank. If you fail, you can try again. One failure will not affect your rank, but a second failure will drop you one. Uh, this is like very funny to me that like the idea that your your salary bracket in the in C could change like day to day. Like, oh, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to drop you two K grades today, but you know, like it's okay. Like you might you might go up another two by Friday. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk really briefly about the fail states for this because they're goofy and they frustrated me. The first is that when you fail at something, the screen turns white and Renault is like, hey, what's wrong? And you can either be like, it's cool, I got this. Or you can be like, ah, I'm overwhelmed, I want to give up. It's cool, I got this is what restarts it. And at least on the remake, it gives you the full allotment of time back, but you don't oh. start right at the beginning. Oh, and okay. so it kind of takes some of the tension out of the timer, which, you know, we've we've been complaining about the false tension of the timers in other ways in this Mm -hmm. game but like it i was kind of bummed out that it set me back to five minutes and then if you say oh i i want to give up or you know it's like this is too much for me i thought that it would start you right at the beginning of the train chase but instead it sends you to a fucking game over screen and (laughs) you go back to where you last saved (laughs) (laughs) oh that's very funny so I was trying to do like a clean run through the whole thing in one go, hit restart, thinking it was a different fucking kind of restart, and I was grumpy. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's so stupid. Uh, it's very like fish and males from, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, MGS2. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be funny if you failed forward and you just got docked pay but it would also means you don't get to do the boss fight (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh or something else would Mm. have to happen to cause it and it would be messier or something there would have to be some type of consequence and they did not want to do that (laughs) clearly yeah so now once you've like set everything up you've got the swap done you can talk to renoa to begin quote-unquote enhanced negotiations with the president uh, I don't think that's an actual quote. No, from the game. no it's I think not. That's just making fun of, of black sites and all that horrible shit. Watts will wuss out because he claims he is only good at intel gathering, and Zone will fake another stomachache. 
hey, we don't know it's a fake. You know, could have IBS, like we oh, said. This time it feels like it. Th- there are times where he like will do a head turn and do a nod and then do like a delayed. Oh, my stomach is hurting. Mm-hmm. Like, so it feels like he's kind of weaponizing it a little bit. Very like classic Japanese comedy, like winking at the audience kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, I forget if this is the one where it's really obvious that he's I, I, the tickets later is definitely one where he's just like, oh, no, please. <laughs> like, don't mm-hmm. bother me. It is also very funny that Watts claims he's only good at gathering intel, especially because there are a couple of moments where we see the soldiers talk to each other and they're like, some guy who just keeps calling me, sir, was asking me very interesting questions. <laughs> yeah. And it's very clearly Watts because that's his tick. And also, and it's, it's like, very, he's not that subtle. It's very funny considering what is about to happen in the next scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. <laughs> because when you enter the car, Renoa begins trying to engage the president, but things start to go sideways as the president starts speaking in like SpongeBob text, <laughs> telling the <laughs> young lady. I, I can't. I, I don't have no idea how you would do this in audio, but yeah, <laughs> it, it literally is doing the alternating capitalization. But he's telling the young lady that it, they have been easily fooled by fake intel, and is calling them amateurs. And then we start a boss fight. Initially, the president looks just like a dude, and he continues to chide the party, but he has, like, really odd movements and attacks as if he was biting like a zombie. Hmm. Hmm. So, you do a little damage to him, and he freaks out, explodes, and turns into Jero Jero, an extremely T-virus-looking monstrosity. Do you... It, I wonder if Gero Gero... Hang on here... Are you trying to see if it's before or after... No, no, no. Okay, yeah. I was I was wondering if this was maybe an homage to ah. the uh, Japanese experimental music group Ghetto Gary Gege and it might be mm, knowing, yeah, because that it was a that's an experimental Japanese music project uh, mm. founded in 1985, and so it it like that that could be a nod to them. It would be it would be like calling like a weird monster Dada or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so my theory here is that so because Parasite Eve and FF8 shared a lot of dev staff and uh, also shared some resources and like shared a building, I think this feels like a parasite like this feels like a Parasite Eve transformation to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if this was borrowed from that game. Yeah, it just feels very like incongruous with the rest of the game. Like it's like very much. Why is this here? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So this battle is all about status effects. Uh, Gero Gero will inflict silence and berserk uh, and also has an attack called <laughs> which can inflict slow and uh, slow is absolutely brutal in this game because this game is all about that ATB. Mm-hmm. It, it also inflicts curse, which uh, prevents limit breaks and darkness. Thankfully, you can draw Esuna directly from him to cure these, so you can do a draw cast or just, you know, stock up on your Esunas, assuming that you are not silenced. Because he's a zombie, Gero Gero is weak to fire and holy and earth as well, but he's especially weak to curative spells or items, and so a phoenix down or an X potion uh, will kill him immediately. You can also, you've you could refine um, some M stones into uh, Cura, and it takes like four of those or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot of ways to to take him down. There's a lot of weaknesses. Yeah. Siddle's note is that this Earth weakness is kind of a change from the series' usual elements. In the series thus far, Earth has generally been the element of the undead. So like uh, Final Fantasy One's Lich or Final Fantasy IV's uh, Scarmiglione. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, the thing with there's just not a lot of earth magic in this game. I really think yeah. it's just Quake. Which mm-hmm. I think so. Which unless you are unless you're doing sicko strats, you probably don't have now. And also it, I I've just never used it as as a spell. Yeah. I don't know how potent it is. It's very powerful in this game yeah. and the okay. animation is sick. Okay. Cuz it's great for junctioning. It oh is, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So let's <laughs> The the rub with this game is that the spells that are most effective in battle are also the best ones to junction. It's but like that's a, that's a good trade off, right? Like yeah, it is a yeah. good trade off. Yeah. yeah, but isn't it also like sort of making official but too good to use syndrome? Like it literally kind of. you, you shouldn't you shouldn't use it. Yeah, because it's I just mean, like 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 if, why would you not want the payoff of having as many as possible junction to your attack. I, I think it's really just like, if you cast it here and there, you're not going to drop that many points and stats. Like it's not right. That's true. that sensitive because you're, you're, you're going up to a hundred. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, if you only have five of a spell, you can just use it because it's going to like bump you two points. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so, I guess I that's mean, true. You're right though. Like, like, like psychologically, you just feel like I don't want to weaken myself by casting a magic if it's really powerful, unless it's mm-hmm. highly situational that you're going to do that. Which, I mean, if you have quakes here, there's no point to use them because you could just use fire or curative. Yeah, I I, I almost never use magic for that reason. But like, like first yeah. of all, because the attack is so good. And then second of all, yeah, because, that too. <laughs> you know, only use it in those situations where it's like, this is the wind butt kind of thing. Like, uh, what is it? Yeah. Blind. Oh, no, wait, blind was junction to attack. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I like the trade-off that, as far as I know, you can't split. Like, you can't do 50% blind on, or, yeah, 50% blind on your attack and your defense, which mm, would yeah. be an interesting thing to do. But, yeah, generally speaking, I wish the game would make attack less effective more often mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean my dad like i remember back when i was a kid my dad used to always just use attack in encounters and i would always use magic he's like why are you bothering with magic and i was like i don't know it looks cool 
Uh, <laughs> it does look cool. <laughs> and I feel like FF8 is even more of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so after the fight uh, with Ghetto Ghetto, Watts comes in and says he's got new, actually good intel. Uh, the president is going to the enormous TV station in Timber. Who could have thought after, you know, they set up that transmission mm-hmm. tower? Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, brilliant right. deduction. The owls have no idea why, but Selfie wonders if this is related to why the Galbadian army reactivated the Dalit communication tower the day before. Selfie, you know, <laughs> like just operating on another level here in terms of military intelligence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we get some really cool world building here. In this world, radio waves and other forms of wireless communication have been completely unusable for the past 17 years. We don't know why yet. During this time, all transcontinental communication has been using HD cables? That's what they call it. Oh, yeah. yeah. HD HD cables running underneath the sea. Astute players and listeners will remember that the Sorceress War ended 17 years ago. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, Renoa thinks that it would be really cool if the first TV broadcast in nearly two decades would be the uh, somewhat facetious uh, Declaration of Timber's Independence. (laughs) And... The owls then decide to have a strategy meeting by just plopping down on the ground and chatting. And the seeds are really like put off by this. This doesn't seem like a very well-run organization. <laughs> Squall then decides he's going to ask about their contract. And if you also, if you talk to Selfie or Zell, they'll be like, yo, you should ask them about our contract. And uh, <laughs> Renoa gives them one full of legalese, but then says, oh, wait, Sid gave me one that's easy to read. Take this one instead. And... <laughs> Squall realizes that Renoa had left him at the party to go seek out Sid for his help. The simple contract (laughs) reads that the owls will employ the seed members until Timber gains independence and they cannot be swapped out for other seeds. In other words, they're basically stuck in this arrangement for the foreseeable future. None of the seeds like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you read this, there's a cute touch where you can actually see Sid's model walking around and doing his normal animations. It, it's nice. But mm-hmm. He's like dictating it or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your mission is now to go to the TV station and find out what's what. All you know is that the station is located behind the Timber Maniac publisher's, publisher's office. You are dropped off of the train and Watts is left behind to uh, and Watts is left behind and runs after it. Yeah. There's an NPC who will say, oh, yep, there's Watts running after the train again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you really get the sense that, like, this resistance cell would be killed in, like, a second if it wasn't the case that, like, literally everyone in this town is in a resistance cell. Yeah. And also the Galbadian army weren't so like, incompetent like if they weren't just like literally like star stormtroopers from star wars yeah. you know but, but they're also not very threatening either the owls are just like they just seem really incompetent themselves or at least in over their heads yes uh, i mean i i really get the energy of like a not even like a school club but like a school circle yeah. from like a japanese school like like, yeah, because they have this distinction between like right. clubs where you're really serious about what you're doing 
and circles which are just to hang out. And it feels like very much like they have a circle of anarchist insurrection going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing that's kind of weird about this to me is that, like, if you were walking through the other rooms in the train, you see that there are other normal looking dudes there. And you're like, (laughs) who are also part of the forest owls. And they're like, what about these guys? Why are these guys in charge? They look like they could handle themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Renoa just like hired them as extras so they'd look more legit to see. Oh my god. That would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> just 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 hiring some of Christ's actors for with daddy's money. Incredible shit. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that that is the energy I get from Renoa 100%. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So, um after this, you're free to roam around the town. Uh, however, you will run into random encounters with Galbadian soldiers. One notable thing is by the train station, there is a pet shop where you can, for the first time, very funnily, uh, buy GF-related items mm-hmm. at the pet Which store. is funny because it's, it's, it's in a place where there aren't any GFs because that's a, that's a Balam thing. Right? Yeah, no, 100%. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> It's very weird. If you leave to the right of the area where Watts drops you off, you will see the Timber Maniac's office. And if you walk right in, you can explore a bit. There are stacks of magazines everywhere, but one of them includes the Girl Next Door Naughty magazine. Mm -hmm. So this is for the porno guy. Yep. And in a side room, there is a Blazaga draw point if for some reason you wanted that. Yeah. but. I mean, the, the main thing about Timber Maniacs is it's basically Shonen Jump, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the stand-in for Jump publishing in this Final Fantasy world. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. like most of the stacks you'll see, like, oh, yeah, these are old issues of the Battle series, and uh, Squall says, like, I've read them all. Yeah, and, and like, you know, the like big, thick manga collections you buy at the convenience store in Japan, mm-hmm. like, they have, like, rather like soft pork porn in yep. them too, yep. right? So, you know, it's it's kind of that sort of thing. If you head to the back of the Timber Maniac's office, you can meet the editor. Um, you can ask him about a few things, and each time he goes on a long diatribe. Uh, well, Squall just, like, is quietly fuming to himself internally, being <laughs> uh-huh. stuck in this conversation with this jackass. He has so much resentment towards just the concept of adults existing, like people yeah. older than him. He just he fucking hates every adult, every grown up. Yeah, th- th- this is the most like distilled teenager like mm-hmm. that we see, mm-hmm. I think, in the entire game. Like this is the most like, God, talking about your old dreams that you never made. Like, who cares about that? Just fucking die already. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh I think we're about to get the other most distilled uh, teenager yeah. energy when Seeper shows up very mm-hmm. shortly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, either way, you learn there's no way to the station through here. You just kind of wasted your time hanging out in this yeah. jump publishing analog, which the creators mm-hmm. probably put there for fun, you know? Yeah, it's, it's kind of cute, like a little bit of world building. It's also very funny yeah. that the receptionist has a southern accent 
Mm-hmm. She like call she I yeah, think she like calls you like sweetie or something. It's yeah. maybe like a almost like a Kansai dialect yeah, thing Kansai. or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But um Oh, I want to, like, because there are a couple of other little town interactions that tickled me and I just thought were weird here if you do explore Timber. So there is a woman whose, like, kid really loves cats but also has cat allergies and she's really, like, despairing about that. There's a girl who runs the model trains in the lobby of the hotel but Mm -hmm. says that she doesn't really care about model trains. It's just that her dad built model trains and her dad died and so now she like maintains this out of a like a sense of grief and also in the hotel when they're like you know in the same hotel where it's like hey Renoa, you shouldn't be here there's a little kid who like loves to gatekeep he's just mm-hmm. like no you can't go forward it's like a little baby it's yeah. uh and then like, uh, oh my also, God, says no. yes. mm-hmm. and then also so like the I'm just making sure. Okay, yeah. So uh, in the town, the higher-ranking soldiers uh, are threatening the families of the local soldiers so that the timber guards who are loyal to the independence of timber have to follow orders, basically, because they're mm-hmm. they're otherwise their families would be in danger. And the ethos, the like ideology of the Galbadian army seems to be treating timber like a like a country in the global south it's like oh well you deserve to be subjugated because you're Mm. less developed than us is uh what it's it's a it's an extremely like just basic imperialist argument and it's like Mm -hmm. dog this is a society come on like look at this shit and then finally the uh the it's also very funny getting that as a justification for imperialism Mm -hmm. when we see how much more advanced esther is yeah for real (laughs) For real. Yeah. Like, Galbadia is a fucking mm-hmm. joke. Yeah. But, but the thing is, they're allowed to, you know, run roughshod because Estar pulled back. And they, like, Estar could just fuck their shit up and they just don't want to. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, next to uh, Timber Maniacs is a house. Uh, if you go in there and you talk to the young woman uh, who's in the kitchen, uh, she says that you can get to the station through a back alley behind the pub. And you can go up to the second floor to peer through the window and you can see down onto the alley. If you do this, one of the children tries to uh, shake you down for money, but the mother just comes in and spanks him. (laughs) 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 And he says, like, I'm sorry for trying to extort you. But yeah, I mean, obviously not not pro spanking, but I I get what they're going for here. The other funny thing is you can do this as many times as you want. Like, if you go to the window again, you will see the same thing play out. (laughs) You can just have this kid have a bad time for a long time. But back on the street, if you head to the right and you talk to the people around, you can get some intel on the area and you can learn that there are some G soldiers who were causing some trouble at the local pub. Uh, If you head down the stairs towards the pub, you overhear two soldiers who are bragging about beating up a drunkard. Very nice. And uh, taking his quote-unquote good stuff. So you fight them, and it's a normal battle. There's nothing to it. And afterwards, you pick up a bull card, which is definitely not good stuff. It's pretty <laughs> trashed here. Yeah. Yeah. 
Inside the pub, the drunkard is blocking the door to the alley. There are two ways to get him to move, figure out what drink he likes and have the bartender make him that drink, or just offer him his card back. If you do the latter, he's so pleased that you clearly murdered the soldiers who took it from him that he will move and give you a Tonberry card as a bonus. And by move, he means having the bar owner drag him away. (laughs) So go ahead. Uh, I was about to say, the one weird thing about this bar is the TV screen where there is an image of, like, a face turning into, like, a jaguar and back. Yes! But it looks like fucking Avatar. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. That's what they're watching. Yeah. Well, I I assume this is, like, closed circuit. Like, they just have it on, like, Mm -hmm. VHS or whatever. Yeah, because yeah, like just, they don't just have any broadcasts, right? And it doesn't right, seem yeah. like they have terrestrial cable, so like it's right. it's just like, well, I don't know, like let's put some video art on the TV. That's that's <laughs> cool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you head through the alley and up a set of stairs, where you encounter an enormous TV screen that looks like it's displaying red static. It's really hard to tell in real time and uh, in PS1 resolution, but the text is a repeating pattern of four messages. It says, I am alive here. Bring me back there. I will never let you forget about me, and I will never let you bound me back. It mm. rules, but you probably wouldn't notice it unless you were told about no. it, which is the it, thing. Yeah, it looks so blurry. It's so cool. Yeah, you could tell and there are words, is... but it happens so fast. You have to like screen cap it to read it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, spoiler spoiler chat here but uh is this like a ultimisia thing or like is that part of why the tvs have been uh all the transmissions have been turned off no this this is adele this is Mm -hmm. adele Adele. in space broad broadcasting her thoughts and just that is blocking all of the spectrum Mm -hmm. in the world which is wild when you think about that it's so cool. That it, is God, really cool. fucking cool. That is it rules. Cool. I just wish it was more like more f- like you could read this yeah. and not find out about it from like a like one of those like lists of 10 things you didn't know about Final Fantasy 8. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because then also it ties back into the Sorcerer's War thing because that's when she got yes. caught and sent to space. Wow. Okay. So. Watch shows up and tells them that there are too many guards to just rush in. Uh, Renoa starts thinking of a new plan to sneak into the station after the president leaves. But as she's brainstorming and wonders if they can handle the remaining security, Squall simply says, don't worry about us, just tell us and we'll do it. Renoa thinks this is sad and it must be an easy life to just blindly follow orders, which is a a rather entitled thing to, to say when... Yeah, like you, 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 you just had like three super soldiers enslaved uh, under your service, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yeah, like she, she doesn't understand. Like for some reason, she didn't think that like hiring paid muscle was going to mean that these people care about her cause in the same way she does, mm-hmm. or like, it, yeah. or like, are given enough agency. Like she keeps deferring to squall in the seeds being like hey is this okay is this a good idea and he keeps saying do whatever the hell you want we're just gonna do it like don't work we're not here to advise you we're here to help you right and so she's like naive and then immediately condescending after she's being naive 
Yeah. Yeah, which also just feels very like spoiled Ojo Sama like mm-hmm. energy. Yep. yep. Yeah. Squall says that they will do whatever they can to help the owls accomplish their mission. However, he doubts the owls can do it. Renoa takes umbrage, and there are a couple of dialogue options to choose. You can rant more at, at her, or just say, forget it. And you can choose whether Squall apologizes or not. I really liked this scene, because it had, like, if you do rant at her, like, Squall has a point. Like, mm-hmm. like Kyle said, like, we've just been conscripted into a war of independence that is massively lopsided against us mm-hmm. uh, without our consent. And yep. the person that we're taking orders from might be serious about her cause, but she's deeply unserious about like the realism of what one small unit of guerrilla soldiers who have more like gumption than skills can actually do. And so it doesn't matter how much they believe, they're just super practically underprepared for it. And yep. so I really I I did read her the right act here. And then mm-hmm. Zell is mm-hmm. like, hey man, like easy, calm down. And then i was like all right you know what sorry yeah yeah he, he kind of goes like oh i went a little too hard there sorry mm-hmm. Th- there is an extent to which like renoa is a like a seed fangirl yeah like she mm-hmm. she has like sort of an inflated opinion of them uh yeah. and just yeah. sort of like believes believes that they will be haha like her knights in shining armor who just like solve all of her problems. And this makes perfect sense when you realize that the one person she knows who is connected potentially to seed is cypher. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, so think she probably thinks every seed is going to have his kind of outlook on life. Right. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. well, and then Sid, who like just, you know, she she pouted at him for a while and he gave her everything that she was looking for mm-hmm. against the wishes of the rest of the faculty. So like, you know, she yeah, her her two impressions of Seed being Cypher and Sid is just poisoning her. Yeah. 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 She she got blindsided. She thought these were people with principles and it's kind of yes, but not in the way you think. Right. So yeah, Renoa is becoming openly disillusioned about this whole thing, and she just decides, all right, you know what, we're just going to disperse and hide for now. We can't rush the station. And she then follows this up by saying that, you know, we don't see this as a game. Like, this is serious. So serious. It hurts. And then she runs away. But right then, either Zell or Selfie, we, we hadn't mentioned, like, Renoa had to be in your party, but you got to pick the third person, and then that person is around. So little, mm-hmm. little bit of modularity there. But like for me, I always pick Zell. So Selfie shows up here and then the TV switches on and we see an announcer nervously introduce the president who announces that he is going to propose peace negotiations with the other nations. And th- there's a like cute aside here where like we glossed over it, but Selfie says that like, when they're like, what would they want to say on the television after 17 years? And Selfie's like, love and peace. Just this big, like, <laughs> declaration of, like, you know, flower power, like, love conquers all stuff. And, like, 
everybody there just kind of like shakes their <laughs> shakes their head at her <laughs> like no 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 that's not it <laughs> and as soon as he says peace ambassador she's like see i was right yeah <laughs> so it, good <laughs> yeah it's very good but then it turns out that the ambassador is the sorceress and before we can figure out what that even means, a commotion starts off camera and Cypher busts in, fighting off G-soldiers until he manages to grab the president and hold him at gunblade point. Uh, there's a really neat little directing touch yeah. where yeah, he knocks the broadcast camera off onto the floor mm. and then there's like just this Dutch angle looking up into the side as if it's from the floor for the rest of this scene and there's like like screen static that yeah i don't remember what that was uh tracking static is what it was mm. used to be called that like flickers across it's nice little touch once again like the direction in these cutscenes, even though they're not voiced is impeccable mm-hmm. um well we say that and then i'm about to complain about the next one. <laughs> there, there there's some serious good stuff in there yes yeah so Zell asks Squall what they're going to do, and Squall's like, it's not our problem or our mission, so we do nothing. But then, in the studio, Quistus arrives, turns to the camera, and tells the Timber team that they have permission to help resolve the conflict, which is so funny. And yeah, so yeah. our party rushes up there. I, I love that Squall gets immediately hoisted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right there. <laughs> Inside, Quistus tells Squall that Cypher broke out of containment and injured a bunch of people on his way to this rogue kidnapping attempt. Zell extremely has no chill and unintentionally lets slip that they are all from Garden, which the president makes note of. And Squall's like trying to stop him. He's like, Zell, shut up. Zell, don't fucking God damn it, Zell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the president's like, oh, so uh, if anything happens to me, then Galbadia will retaliate against Balem Garden and will completely destroy it, basically. Zell is shook and remains shook uh, for the rest of this episode and is extremely sad uh, mm-hmm. that he fucked up so bad every single time you talk to him. Yeah. Which is, like, perfectly understandable. Like, he made, like, the worst fuck up mm-hmm. imaginable. Yeah. yeah. Zell just, just being a clown uh, and not in a funny way, in a sad way. So... Seifer won't let himself be talked down and pulls the president along with him to a room backstage, which is cast in an eerie purple light. There, the sorceress walks seemingly through nothing and mocks Seifer, calling him a poor, poor boy. She freezes Quistus as she arrives and continues, The boy in you is telling you to come. The adult in you is telling you to back off. You can't make up your mind. You don't know the right answer. The sorceress continues, saying that Seifer is a scared little guy. (laughs) He wants to be saved from the situation he got himself into. Seifer really doesn't like being called a boy, so she offers him a deal. Come with me to a place of no return. Bid farewell to your childhood. Seifer then releases the president, turns around to Squall and his team, who have just arrived, he gives them a wave goodbye before following the sorceress through a warp zone. Now, of course, he has a line here. It's very important, right? Mm-hmm. Which is about his romantic dream. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, this, this, this feels like the other, like, most teenage shit imaginable. Like, someday you'll know about my romantic dream or whatever the line is. Like, right. 
I had a friend. Here it is. It just got uh, handed to him. Yeah, like I had a friend in high school. One of my other friends was like ribbing him about being really into Coldplay, and his response to that friend was, "You have no inner monologue." And then, like, storming off and, and, <laughs> and just, like, piecing out, oh, which God. feels like exactly the same energy as someday you'll know about my romantic dream. Like, just yeah, very in his feelings, self-absorbed, full of hormones, you know, mm-hmm. this, this absolute dom. Uh, older lady is inviting him to come fuck in her fuck palace. And... Like she, while doing mommy shit as well. You oh know, yeah, oh yeah, is... definitely. It's definitely a mommy, mommy uh, boy kind of thing going on here. Like mm-hmm. in the and, text, and there's a reason for that which we can't talk about now. But fuck. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think this cut scene sucks mm-hmm. uh, real hard, which is frustrating because I've done like I've had so much goodwill towards the story sections of this game because I'm paying attention. I'm like, Oh wow. They're laying a lot of track. Oh wow. There's a lot of characterization. Oh cool. Like that. They, they, it really seems like they, you know, know what these characters are about and know where this plot's going and, and shit. And like, you know, all the little cinematic touches and then this. So it is a static shot of just like a map that you run through. It's kind of overhead from an odd angle. So everything's kind of mm. far away and you can't really judge distance very well. Yeah. This is supposed to be Edea's Sephiroth introduction moment. And instead it feels kind of weightless and doesn't have any impact whatsoever. She just kind of like teleports in using like a goofy, like ripply, wavy thing. She does her seduction slash mommy slash kind of like you know enchanting magic monologue also we don't get enough about like how cypher probably broke through in order to like you know prove that he was a badass who cared to renoa because anyway um yeah it's it's he he was he was simping for renoa and then it was like the alternate simp scenario that mm-hmm. fulfilled all of his dreams was presented to him yeah. It, yeah, it's like a very sudden about face for him. Yeah, and, like, and it it leaves me kind of without anything to stand on. And then also, I feel like you know the person who in the promo and the marketing and also in the opening cutscene was kind of like positioned as this game's big bad, so to speak. The introduction is just kind of like, oh, okay, b- b- hi, bye, okay, mm-hmm. bye. Yeah, like, they do the big introduction later, which I think is much stronger. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has its own problems, but, like, so, like, my thoughts on this is, like, for one thing, we don't know anything about what Cypher really wants. We don't know how he relates, like, what is his thoughts about Renoa in this moment? Mm -hmm. We don't know about his thoughts about his relationship to being, you know, with a sorceress, which we've we'll talk about more later. Like they could have laid a little bit more track for that. And like, I think you're, you're right, Ryan, this would have been stronger if this was just a voice being beamed into his head. Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe it was the voice that helped guide him out of garden and to timber. 
right? right. But then it, you also have the dual problem of he has two interests then. He has the interest of his romantic dream and then also Renoa, which is parallel but not the same, right? Like, he, what right. what is his, like, why does he care about Renoa? I mean, probably because he's a horny teenager and she paid attention to him, so. <laughs> right? Uh, well, it's, I mean, I mean he, we find out there's more. He, like, she is the princess, right? She is the Ojozawa, yeah, right? Yeah, they like, call her princess, he, yeah. Like, he wants to be her knight, and that is literally why he stormed in and started killing people and trying yeah. to take the president himself, because, like, he's just trying to be, like, chivalrous and valiant in a very adolescent way. Do you know what would have been really good, though, if before this happened, you played as Cypher and mm. you get the message that mm. someone's saying, hey, you should go to Timber. There's something you should do in Timber. And then he goes and you play his breakout, like fighting seeds and other students out of garden. And then he shows up here. Yes. Like that would yeah. have been way stronger. You you just need more of his interiority. You need any of his interiority for this to work, really. Like we get him monologuing on the mission earlier and all of his interactions with the authority figures in Garden, right? And yeah. I think that establishes that like he doesn't give a single fuck about following orders. He's just going to do whatever whim uh, comes to mind. And he's so insistent on it that despite his talents, he can never graduate. Yeah. And it's only like sort of in the vague hints of Renoa's dialogue earlier where she's like, oh, is like Seifer with you? That uh, this is kind of set up. I think this like scene is like sufficiently disorienting in terms of like this mission is completely going to shit and also like the chain of command and the disciplinary structure in seed which is like this organization built to raise child super soldiers is breaking down and everything is falling into chaos i feel like all of that comes through but there is definitely a degree to which Seeper's actions seem like unmotivated or confusing. Um, and it could have been handled a little better. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Not now I'm actually, so like just for context, I've been listening to the waypoint pluses on the rebuild movies. Mm. So now, and now Ryan, you're mentioned about Gendo has it in my head now. Like imagine <laughs> if, Sid facilitated Cypher's breakout, knowing that that was part of the plan of what needs to happen. Mm. Hmm. That could have been interesting. interesting. It could have been. Yeah. I mean, have been. And it's maybe not. It be, maybe not. Not worth it. But I don't know. It, and because it's it's one of those things where I don't know if it is a, a flaw in just the presentation of the game that makes me think that this is kind of confused or if it is actually confused. Okay. Soldiers of fortune, like, you know, private mercenaries often could be very amoral. You know, they, they just don't, it's all about the money, but um, 
PMCs, uh, you know, private military corporations and private military companies, even though they are for-profit warmongers and, and soldiers, they usually have an ideology of some kind mm-hmm. that governs them. And Garden doesn't because, well, one of them is to perpetuate a forever war, but like they don't really care how that happens so long as they can continue to create soldiers and like have money and shit. And then the other thing is that like in a PMC like this, someone like Sid never really could have gotten to headmaster status to to undermine it from here. Like it just and so I don't feel like enough track has been laid with the garden stuff for this to feel like it's falling apart mm-hmm. to me. It just feels confused. Yeah, and I think it only slightly makes more sense when we find out why Sid is there and what Sid has been doing this whole time. But yeah, yeah there's just none of that here. Sid right now is just a bumbling, you know, principal of a bunch right. of high schoolers. Like- we we get a we very much get the sense that like he is not wanted in his position of authority. He's mm-hmm. not terribly good at his job, and his principles completely conflict with those of like the rest of the faculty, right? Mm-hmm. right but yeah. I do think that there has been enough track laid here in terms of like disciplinary problems as like a core organizational problem with seed in the last like section of the game that this yeah. falling apart like has precedent right okay well i mean you have quistus getting demoted for one the quistus getting demoted like they're saying like she's not an effective enough like instructor or manager of her workers then she loses control of seeper like immediately yeah. after that He's already been like, you know, sent back twice for disciplinary problems. And it just it just feels like this is a theme that is uh, that it has been established. Yeah. And I guess we'll find out later that that kettle boils over in a different yeah. way, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, shit has really hit the fan and <laughs> like just yeah. the, just like everything just not good. And the seeds are wanted by the G army. They leave the station and run back into Renoa. She comes back and she tells them that the Timber Owls base was discovered. Oh, I wonder if it was the giant skull on it. And uh, <laughs> it was 
destroyed, although everyone is safe because they're very good at being escape artists. Uh, so she gives Squall an order to take her to a safe place away from Timber, but for now they need to lay low until the heat dies down in the town. Uh, they end up hiding in that house next to the Timber Maniac's office. The matron of the house is apparently the head of another resistance group called the Forest yeah. Boxes, because literally every <laughs> Timber person is in such a group. They're just not currently active. Uh, th there's yeah. some cute barbs between her daughter and her being like, yeah, she she fooled a bunch of soldiers with her wit and her charm and her beauty. And the, it's <laughs> Selfie says, like, I think it was Selfie that says like, oh, the beauty part really makes it sound like a legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is rude <laughs> so rude <laughs> there's that sense of humor uh, again mm -hmm, mm -hmm. time passes and selfie wonders aloud what cypher was even trying to do renoa says she thinks that he was trying to help the forest owls because she would talk about it a lot with him again uh Interesting. Looks like they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm -hmm. She has a spot, soft spot for the guy. A uh, G soldier knocks on the door and everyone gets sent up to the second floor to hide. Zell is noticeably not saying anything for once. If you talk to Quistus, she says that Cypher was livid that only three rookie seeds were sent to help the owls and busted his way out to help. Yeah, which is a plausible like motivation for him, right? Like in terms of... Oh, totally being this like inside outside big brother figure yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so quistus wonders what will happen to him and squall coldly responds he may already be dead renoa ever the empath says how can you say that <laughs> i feel sorry for him squall turns around thinking that seeper would hate to hear that phrase and laughs to himself knowingly which also like implies that there is a closeness between Squall and Seeper that, like, is only sort of vaguely alluded to previously. Yeah. The opening cutscene and stuff. Like, their relationship is quite ambiguous. But, of course, this mm -hmm. has been, like, the basis for, like, a million ships and fanfiction things, right? right? Sure. So, yeah. 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 Renoa takes issue with his laughter, but Squall lays out, look. He tried to kill the president of Galbadia, and he fucked off with a hot sorceress who was working with them. They probably <laughs> would kill him. <laughs> Renoa responds, even so, I hope he is alive. Squall thinks, believe what you want. Reality isn't so kind. It's better if, and then he says aloud, as long as you don't get your hopes up, you can take anything. You feel less pain. Anyway... Whatever wish you have is none of my business. Renoa goes to sulk in the corner, calling Squall a me, and Squall quietly says, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the thing that's kind of difficult to get across on the podcast is just how much Squall bounces between inner monologue and saying things. And it's kind of worth, like, especially if you're playing this, Try to think of what the other characters are seeing of him and not what just you are seeing of him, because you can imagine that, like, you know, there is a disconnect and maybe Squall doesn't understand that he's not getting his full point across by keeping half of his thoughts in his head. Right. Uh, and that does come up more pointedly later. But 
this is a good point of saying like he is being a dick. Like he's being a Absolutely, realistic yeah. dick, but he's still being a dick because he's clearly saying, I don't care about your feelings. The guy is dead. Probably. Right. I mean, just do the math. Well, I, I, I think like he is very much just that like teenage edgelord. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's harsh and cynical in a way that really tracks and is sort of <laughs> belied by his own emotional volatility inside, right? Yeah. Like this is this is like all extremely teenage boy shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, yeah, and he's all he's also he's just edge lordy lordy enough to be perfect for leadership. he's just cynical enough to know that like fuck it just do the job like who cares like i don't care if you have like opinions or thoughts just do your fucking job yeah yeah it i I, like god okay i how do i say this i love that he just straight up says this here Mm -hmm. because uh, even though it's extremely obvious, an obvious like th- th- this is what I believe, it mm-hmm. sets a very good baseline for what beginning of the game squall is like. So that then, when he starts to make genuine human connections with the folks around him and opens up as the game moves on, it like we have this baseline established to the character, and so we can pay more attention to how that can yeah. shift over time. Yeah, and I think the fact that he says it pretty blatantly definitely gives the rest of the characters time to be like, okay, so that's what he's like, right? Yeah. Like, this is what he, we understand what he thinks, even though he's mostly in his own head. Yeah, um, just the audacity of how many fucking gothy, edgy 17-year-olds are like, I'm not pessimistic, I'm realistic, mm-hmm. I'm not cynical, mm-hmm. I just live in the real world. And it's like, y'all have not lived a life yet. I know, okay, yeah. some some teens have lived a life, but mostly, most of those folks, no. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, he's been trained to, like, part of the training, I'm sure, to become a seed highlights just how much, like, you need to be serious about things and not be emotional about things. Right. Like that's what makes him a good seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was trained as a child mercenary soldier. Like it's yeah. not a nurturing environment, which makes you really wonder, like how did selfie become this? Like what, how did that work? You know, sometimes people just have a personality, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So, they find out that the extra security in the area is gone. So now it's time to get the fuck out of Dodge. So mm-hmm. Quistus gives small, yeah, Quistus gives small, Quistus gives Squall a hint that their next destination should be the nearest garden. And it's funny because it's like, hey, what's this rule from the seed handbook? And he's like, oh, yes, I know that exact line. This happens to be Galbadia Garden. Uh, they need to catch a train and get off at the East Academy Station and walk through a forest, and they will get there. Uh, if you head back towards the pub, the party is met with Zone, who is in disguise as an old man, and he has five tickets with him. He gives three to the Seeds, one to Renoa, and then the last one for him, he gives to Quistus, and will not, ref- you know, doesn't allow her to refuse. 
Uh, he then does he he's and he the gets IBS. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he gets the IBS. Like, oh no, please go. This is going to be the last trade before they close it down. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the his, the train. his form of heroism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the way over to the train, there is a house that you can go into with a silly-looking old guy who really loves water. Apparently, this shit is banging because the faucet there will give you a full party heal. That's mm-hmm. why he fucking loves this water, yeah. Also, yeah. if you check the cabinet in the back of the room, you can rob this family of their life savings of 5,000 gil for their trouble. And, and you do this without realizing you're doing this, and then you feel real bad because you can't give it back. Yeah. There's also like this this little house where it's like, uh, I like my grandpa wanted to stay in this house, but it's too small for the family. But he's stubborn and lazy. Mm-hmm. There's, a, again, more good little mini town character moments. OK, mm-hmm. so getting on the train, I knew that we were about to have another dream like pass out. And I was like, oh, God, are they just going to pass out on the train again? What is it with trains <laughs> and passing out? But no, they get off the train and then they pass out this time. Um yep. Getting yeah. on the train, Squall is trying to talk about their next move, but is repeatedly interrupted by Selfie, who wants the door to open to the hallway so she can do her uh, excited train watching again. So Squall gives in and opens the door, and then everyone else is still, like, in this lobby area. Mm-hmm. And you can talk to Renoa, who prompts Squall to finish what he was trying to say. If you pick the option to continue, he simply says, well, we made it. Quistus chimes in, I have Zone to thank for that. But Renoa cannot let a lewd man live peacefully and says, he's into dirty magazines. Quistus replies, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. AKA, I hope you picked up that girl next door uh, mm-hmm. magazine. The the way Quistus like, folds her arms and does the lean over, like, I'll keep that in mind, is very well rendered. Uh-huh. Yes. It's very good. Very good. And if you talk to Zell, uh, he hangs his head with a big sigh. You can stand by him some more, but if you choose the option, leave me... uh, Sorry, if you choose the option, leave him alone, the scene fades to black. So, the East Academy Station is the first stop. If you want, you can go one more stop and drop into Dalit to see what's happening there. And you can do that and do some side questing, but we're not going to cover that today. No. <laughs> yeah, the, the main thing you need to do there is uh, fuck around with the Queen of Cards stuff and the yeah. the triple triad zone stuff. Yeah. And it's an absolute nightmare. But if you use a guide, you can do it. Yeah, yeah. There's cards to pick up. It, whatever. But when you get off, you need to walk across a bridge and head towards a forest flanked by uh, two mountain ranges. And uh, at some angles, you could see that the Galvadia Garden is on the other side. It kind of looks like Balam Garden, but it's more cylindrical. It kind of reminds me of the Colosseum at Rome in terms of its shape, but it's bright red. But it's yeah, got it's yeah. still got the giant ring above it that uh, Balam Garden has the weird like Beyblade ring or whatever. <laughs> Uh, but you head to the forest when you hit it you get into an in-engine cutscene selfie is concerned that going to galbadia garden could possibly be a trap but zell is just fully on tilt and shouts like whatever happens happens we can take it and then he immediately loses his bluster and becomes really distraught and he looks to squall for any reassurance that he didn't just doom garden and all of their friends 
But Squall just says, yeah, no, we might be fucked. And <laughs> Zell says, like, but 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 it's full of seeds. They can't lose to the G army. And Squall's just deadpans, like, depends on how strong the army is. And Zell is just completely crestfallen. Fucking, I got a dark sense of humor and I tell it like it is on Squall's Tinder profile. (laughs) (laughs) Swipe left if you're not, if you're not a fan of sarcasm. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) Renoa goes off on Squall, calling him a terrible leader for not giving any bit of emotional support to his teammates. Meanwhile, Squall is thinking to himself, not this shit again. She tries to engage him more, but he doesn't say anything, just thinking to himself that he doesn't like to rely on others, and he's the only sane person for thinking so. We even get a traditional Squall whatever. (laughs) Before she can really dig into him, though, the piercing noise arrives again, and Squall, Selfie, and Quistus pass out on the ground. Renoa asks Zell, what's going on? And Zell tells her, I think they went to the dream world, and we cut to black. And that's where we're going to stop for this episode. Do you guys have any uh, party chat you want to talk? I mean, I don't know if there's that much to say, but any thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, by this point, I had pretty much done all the crap in Dalit and going back to Timber uh, mm-hmm. with the cards, and my party was pretty much set for the rest of the game, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they were super overpowered. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much like, mechanically speaking, the game's sort of over at this point if <laughs> you were trying to uh, power game it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, there were only a couple of real fights in this episode, and they had gimmicks to them and so i yeah there's not really significant party chat for me here yeah i mean like at this stage because i did a lot of card grinding in the early part of the game i had you know i had a hundred quakes i had a hundred at least a couple hundred tornadoes which basically means i have three thousand health (laughs) on most of my Mm -hmm. characters yeah and like 150 strength and it's real silly especially like once, like, Ifrit got, like, the strength plus 20 and strength plus 40 so that you could stack them for a strength plus 60, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you end up doing so much damage. Like, th- this is the first time I've actually tried to go for disc one Lionheart. Yeah, that's Squall's <laughs> ultimate weapon. And you can do it. The only thing that's a pain in the ass is getting the pulse ammo which you need at this stage of the game you need two energy crystals which requires like you need to get like 20 annoyal cards to make that happen and i was playing enough cards just to do other things that i had most of them and i was just getting a lot of those but yeah that was it it took a couple of hours like earlier in this play session to get there but i'm basically like yeah i'm loaded for bear on this one but i'm also like I didn't like max max out. I just had a couple of things I wanted to do. And a lot of the magic that I got that I'm using now, especially with, like Diablos, like the time magic stuff. Yeah. Quake and um, Quake is a time magic. And you get those from Dino Bones and Dino Bones you can get from a couple of places like the Armadoto card and the T-Rex card, etc. You can steal them from T-Rexes. But anyway, yeah. So like I'm like I've kind of stopped doing the I'm going to go track down a hundred of like the most powerful spell I could find. Cause I just did a lot of that early game and now I'm just kind of rolling, but I I'm also hmm. trying to not have encounter none on the whole time too. 
Yeah. So wrapping it up, does anyone have closing thoughts on the timber section of Final Fantasy VIII? I think we said a uh, lot, honestly. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I just think this is one of the most memorable parts of the game. Yeah. And there's a lot of pretty strong characterization packed in here, mm-hmm. um, both for the protagonists, the PCs, or and also for like the NPCs you meet in town. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that it all reads very accurately as like the way teenagers might react to these situations so i i I think it's uh it's overall quite good um i think it's really just the the mechanical side of things that was letting me down here and you know you have to you have to read all of this stuff as being interspersed with like hours of grinding and triple triad like Mm -hmm. manipulation bullshit but you take that out and it's it's really pretty strong So, yeah, because I hate min-maxing, um, I am not playing the game to, like, break it, which makes the individual battles each more frustrating, but it means that I don't have hours of grinding, and so it's like I'm only at, like, eight, nine hours in right now. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I'm taking it slowly and I'm trying to get a better, you know, sense of, of the world building and shit, the thing that we talked about in the body of the episode that I think is like my conclusion for this episode is I thought that there was no world building or really disjointed world building my first time through this game. It felt like a very disconnected, non-cohesive place. I'm realizing in this playthrough that there is a ton of it. It's just all in the margins. And so you have to be Mm -hmm. dedicated to seeking it out in order to understand the broader context of anything that goes on. And I think that it's really Mm -hmm. cool that it's there, but it's almost more frustrating that it's there, but quasi hidden. Yeah, I mean, the, the stuff that's like on the main line, right? It just feels different or like it feels really narrow if you don't sort of mull around and get other bits of flavor, right? Like you find out mm-hmm. about the fact that there's no, you know, radio transmissions happening in the world. Like that's, that's a world building thing. You, that there's, a, there's an occupation and then there's like, yeah, we didn't mention president Delling is a president for life. Like he yeah. gave himself like, you know, <laughs> like Imperial powers, especially. So like, he's got an iron grip on the head seat of the country. So like there's, little bits here and there but then yeah you have like the sorceress kind of air dropping in and you may not Mm -hmm. even be super aware of what a sorceress is or why this is important or what the sorceress war really was unless you've Mm -hmm. done a little bit of digging right like you've just mentioned that hey there was a war it was 17 years ago and you know you see a capital s sorceress get not even name dropped just like title dropped and you're like yeah huh okay and then she shows up and is cryptic and seduces a teenager and that's (laughs) all we get out of that i mean it depends on how much you want like are those breadcrumbs like you know enticing do you want to know more would you rather that be a mystery or did you want more context to make these moments feel more have more import yeah yeah and yeah. I also talked about how the Idea reveal really whiffed it for me. 
So it's like, there's a lot of really, really good memorable stuff in here for me. I love the train sequence a lot. I love the characterization of this like disorganized young anarchist group that like cares, but doesn't have their shit together and thinks that they Mm -hmm. can affect change laterally. Yeah. But also there's a lot of frustrating stuff that just doesn't have a lot of impact for me. Yeah. All right. So plugs, do you guys have anything to share with the listeners? Uh, yes. Uh, so of course, as always, you can check out my podcast, general intellect unit on politics and technology. And that is, that is ongoing. We're going to be doing some more recordings very shortly, mm-hmm. but, uh, more importantly at the moment, I would like to mention that my, uh, long in development tabletop role playing game, yeah. uh, dragons and travelers tales. Uh, is going to be released on September 15th on itch. Uh, So just type in Dragons and Traveler's Tales. You can find it. It is a two-player game, and it is focused on world building and sort of character and personal development. It's, It's sort of like a... has like a slow life energy but it also has a huge influence from the Saga games and Octopath Traveler. So you have these like big casts of characters that interact with each other and create a sense of a cohesive world as you play. Um, I think it's really good. And uh, yeah, I would encourage everyone to check it out. That's awesome. That's sick. Yeah. Thanks. You can listen to music of mine uh, on SoundCloud at Catastrophizer. Uh, you can also, if you like this podcast and want something that is like it, but about Final Fantasy XIV, the massively multiplayer online role-playing game, at the $1 uh, pitchdrop.cash Patreon level, uh, there is a show that I and Chris Taylor are on called Icons and Icons. We think it's sick. We are so close to Heaven's Word. We just started to talk about patch uh, 2.5. And so we're into the like dragon shit and the real political intrigue shit. And and things are looking up. Woo. So Sybil's not here, but uh, she she left a note here that I'm going to read. Yes. At the time of this recording, Corruption of Champions 2 is on sale. And if you're seeking a horny RPG... It comes recommended with its regular patches for $10 or less. <laughs> so have have fun with that, I guess. Sybil uh, lost the game for of all, chicken. For all the, zone, all the zone types out there. Enjoy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, this is this is the zone, zone RPG. Uh, you can listen to Boku no Stop, our anime watch-along podcasts. There is a free version where we are currently covering Lupin the Third, the woman called Fujiko Mine, uh, which is Sybil and I and possibly a third chair. And there's a premium version for patron backers only where we are covering Death Note with uh, Chris. Oh, I'm covering Death Note with Chris and John. Also, you can read my Yuri manga reviews on Okazu at okazu.com yurikon.com and go to the guest reviewer filter and look for my name and you can look up all my stuff it's probably going to be a link in the description so check that out also read other stuff on there it's pretty good that's all until next time well we will be talking about the delling city mission 
up through, let's say, before the mission starts. Okay. Let's go with that. <laughs> Sounds good. So so that's that's Tomb of the Unknown Kings, uh, that's Galvedia Garden, and uh, some of the setup. Thanks. Right. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.